Hello and welcome to the July 20th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is wonderful to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it is awesome to be out there with you. So today, I wanted to switch gears a little bit because I feel like I have abandoned the whole concept of educating my audience. And of course, with that education, will always come a little bit of personal experiences, and this particular topic is not going to be an easy one to discuss. It's, it's, it's something that, and, and I find it interesting because I am so easily able to discuss my prior, previous, past drug use. It kind of just flows right out of my mouth. I don't have an issue at all when I talk to my audience about that, and I'm not sure why, but this just feels a little more personal, and it shouldn't, because there are many of you out there that are going to be able to relate to me very easily, but yet there is, for some reason, this feeling in my soul and in my heart that I will be judged. Now, you don't have to judge me now because I have made a change. And that change ultimately came not because I'm a better person, not because I'm a different person, uh, not because I have a conscience, <laughs> uh, not because I am um, I have regrets about what I might have done in the past. It's because I'm medicated. And ultimately... Because I am medicated, let me correct what I just said, it probably has made me a different person. Um, On the outside, I am certainly not different, but on the inside, in terms of my brain, my mind, my emotions, my impulsivity, medication has allowed me to keep things under wrap. And, you know, when we talk about mania, we ask ourselves the question, doesn't mania mean that you are entirely out of control. And for me, to be honest, mania is a natural high, if you will. And those of us who are bipolar, if you are bipolar and listening to this podcast, we have the luck, the benefit, or if you really want to look at it from a different lens, the misfortune to have that uncanny ability to have the same sort of heightened feelings or the same type of high like somebody out there who might take a drug or an illegal substance or even legal in the case of alcohol and in some states marijuana and those people are paying very good money to to get that high whereas for us um, yeah, it more or less comes free. But 
exactly at what cost in terms of free does it eventually end up um, affecting us? You know, it may come free in terms of money, um, and sometimes we even go out and spend money to get higher than we already are. In my case, I have had nonstop phone calls coming in. It's a very busy Friday for Mr. Joe. I don't know if you've heard any of my ringtones. It's quite annoying, but I had to put you guys on hold. I believe the point I was trying to make is that in Mr. Joe's mania, I was always trying to search for an additional high, get even higher than I already was because I felt so good. I never did drugs. I never drank really when I was depressed. When I was high, manic, or hypomanic, I used to search for a way to get higher. And when we explore the topic of hypersexuality, as a symptom of bipolar disorder, I want you to first think about the quote-unquote regular people in the world, some of which might be taking drugs every day and every night, and they feel hypersexual at one point or another during their buzz or their high or even their trip, for that matter. And many of us with bipolar disorder... And I had to cut you all off again because my office phone rang. I'm alone in my office today, um, so it's enabled me to make a podcast. I don't know if I cut myself off enough, but what I was trying to say is that, um, you know, many of us at one point or another, we actually experience, obviously, uh, that feeling of hypersexuality um, and have that feeling, that high feeling as such as somebody who is taking drugs or tripping out or just a little bit buzzed and we don't even have to take anything. But if you were to consider and think about this, and we're not talking about the person with bipolar disorder because the person with bipolar disorder such as Mr. Joe who was unmedicated, especially in his days of college, if I engaged in some of these uh, extracurricular activities such as smoking marijuana or drinking excessively, it would certainly make me higher than I am and I would act upon those feelings of hypersexuality. I would want to bring home a different woman every night. Meanwhile, I had a girlfriend. It didn't matter to me and I acted upon it. But if you were to consider the person, not the bipolar person, but the person who gets just a little tipsy Okay, or even even drunk for that matter, or um, completely impaired, or is is for lack of better terms tripping out. I want you to think about how many of those people actually go ahead and act upon those sexual urges, and think about it. And before you think too hard, I could answer that question for you. Believe it or not, not the majority. <laughs> They are very different from the way that we act and the, the way that we think. And I know it might not sound right to you, but remember, we have bipolar disorder. So we don't really know how people without bipolar disorder think. And I could tell you right now, although they may get those urges such as we get when we have bipolar disorder, whether we are high from mania or even higher from the drugs and the alcohol and the substances that we might take, 
the vast majority of the time, if they don't have bipolar disorder, they will not engage in those actions. Now, listen, if they have a significant other, it's very possible that that may enhance their time with the significant other, make things better, and give them a little more oomph, if that makes any sense, to go for it. Um, but again, that's with their personal partner, whether it be a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, or a wife. And that makes all the sense in the world. But during bipolar mania, that tendency towards poor decision-making occurs along with an increase in impulsivity. And obviously, because of that, our sex drive also increases. And those symptoms combined will often lead us to our own sexual extremes, at least during that manic episode. And I know for damn sure that Mr. Joe spent a large portion of his life engaging in hypersexuality, especially when I was unmedicated. And I had absolutely no idea what was going on. Uh, my friends used to kind of make fun of me. They used to say, oh, you know, Joe gets all the women. Mr. Joe gets all the girls. And look how many girls he's been able to sleep with and how many girls he's been able to charm. And believe me, you, I was able to charm them because the, the talking that I was able to do, the, the, the things that I had certain women believing in, I had them believe that I would give them the world. It didn't matter if I had a girlfriend or a wife. I would make them believe that I would give them everything that they could ever want in a man because I was so charming, I was so manic, I was so talkative, I was so complimentary, and at the same time all I could think about was having a sexual encounter with this particular person and saying whatever I had to say to get what I wanted. But interestingly enough, and I believe that this might have been part of the borderline personality disorder that I have now admitted is also a part of Mr. Joe. There was a huge part of Mr. Joe that in, in, equal, in equal parts actually craved the emotional attachment to a person just as much, equally, as the sexual attachment. And one might find that interesting and say, well, not equally, come on, you might have liked that emotional attachment, but uh, not as much as the sex per se. And I got to tell you, that's not true. I enjoyed the emotional attachment, the, the wildness, the secretness, the secretive behavior, the, the stuff that came along with cheating on somebody. It used to give me a thrill to be a part of that. It was risky. Uh, I never thought about consequences. And if I did, it really didn't matter. They just kind of went away and until, obviously, you got close to getting caught and then your heart starts beating out of your chest and you say to yourself, oh, my God, the next thing is we talk about lying and bipolar disorder. Well, what am I going to do to get myself out of this? And ironically enough, once, when we do get out of it, we say, I'm never doing that again. We just go right back and do it again because we can never predict or at least a lot of times when we're not medicated, it's very hard to predict when that next manic episode is going to come on and when we are going to be hypersexual again. And I will say this, not everybody is going to understand what I'm talking about if you have bipolar disorder. It does not mean that everybody with bipolar disorder 
engages or thinks about sex all the time. Um, but as for Mr. Joe, in terms of being non-medicated, there is no doubt that this was a problem. This was an issue in my life. This was an issue probably since the age of 16. Right when I hit puberty, that's when things started happening for Mr. Joe. And I had no care in the world what the consequences were. I, I, I didn't care about getting women pregnant when I was younger. And I did not care about what I did in college. And to be honest with everybody, and this is where it gets a little shady for Mr. Joe and becomes somewhat of a difficult issue to talk about, I didn't care about what I did during my marriage. I didn't care. And you know what? I think back to some of my podcasts, and I cannot recall whether or not I was honest with my audience. There is a part of me that has to wonder, did I lie through my teeth and tell everybody that I was a quote-unquote good boy throughout my entire marriage? Well, if I did, I lied. If I did, I lied. Now, I'm not lying about my current marriage, and I want to say that it's because I love my wife so much that I would never cheat on her because she's so wonderful, our relationship is so good, so different than my first marriage that there's no reason to cheat on her. And, and some of that is true. But the other part that's true is the fact that I am medicated and my mania is under control. And when it's not, thank goodness, hypersexuality is not a part in which I suffer from. Now, many of you may say, well, Mr. Joe, you got your wife pregnant again. <laughs> so obviously you're doing something. Well, unfortunately for Mr. Joe, my libido is nowhere where it used to be. And, and that's the other part of hypersexuality in terms of bipolar disorder. A lot of times our sexual tendencies and our impulsivity is controlled through medication because a lot of the medications that we are on, it kind of numbs the desire to have sex. And it happens both with girls and boys, or men and women. Um, and with Mr. Joe, while it has not made me unable to perform, it has certainly slowed me down quite a bit. And I will tell you this, there were several medications in the past that um, they actually caused the problem of the inability to come to completion, for lack of better terms. And one of those medicines in particular was Lexapro. Uh, I could not understand what in the world was going on with that. Um, and I will say this, for about four years of my first marriage, because I was so medicated, I had absolutely no desire to have sexual encounters with my ex-wife. Now, before that, when I was abusing drugs, even when I wasn't abusing drugs, because I was unmedicated, I was a wild animal. I was a wild animal at home. And meanwhile, i, I got to be honest, I hated my ex-wife. But if I couldn't get it from the outside, I guess I would have gone into the inside and got it. And, and almost felt a regret afterwards because I disliked my ex-wife so much. So, what we can say is hypersexuality, for the most part, with bipolar disorder, it involves what I would refer to as excessive interest in sexual subject matter and activities. And that can come out in a variety of ways. 
and I'm just going to talk about the ways that it came out with me. And feel free to add to it in your own mind or reach out to me and tell me if there's something that I missed. But again, I can only go through my past experiences. Um, obviously, an increased desire for sex with your significant other. You become manic, and uh, you want it all the time. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what time it is, what day it is, where the kids are. You are heightened. Your mania is in full f effect. You're going to want to have sex with your partner. Unfortunately, it doesn't always stay there. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, and what ends up happening is you'd like to go outside of the relationship and have an affair. And I can say that before I actually got married, I had a full-blown affair with somebody at work. She was due to get married, I believe, in September or oh, June. She was due to be married in June before me, and I was due to be married in September. And I've discussed this in the past. We had a full-blown affair. We had a full-blown affair, not only um, intimately, touching physically. It was an emotional affair. It was a phone affair in which every single night we engaged in phone sex. And I do believe in my heart that this particular woman had bipolar disorder. There is no doubt in my mind that that is actually what attracted us, the two of us together. And I recall her telling me that she had a problem with cocaine in the past. At that particular point, I had never tried cocaine, which is interesting. I never tried cocaine. And now that I look back and I put two and two together, it makes all the sense in the world. For me, before I was, believe it or not, when I was due to get married, and even a little bit before, while I was dating my ex-wife, I had a completely overwhelming, overwhelming increased interest in the Internet. Um, and specifically, it was very interesting because... I'm going to show my age here. There was a, there was a, the very first online experience that Mr. Joe had was something called America Online. And then AOL is still out there, but America Online was the very first opportunity for people to get online, go into chat rooms, and meet other people. And I will tell you right now that, and again, this is embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And, and I look back on it, and I can't believe that this was Mr. Joe. I really can't. Which, again, shows me that this was my bipolar disorder because I'm ashamed of it and because I would never in a million years do it now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But Mr. Joe would not only go into chat rooms that were full of people, and I would ask women you know, to meet. Uh, and and by, by every stretch, I did meet people out. I had sexual encounters with strangers, um, met them out in bars, and ended up being with them. But not only that, I took advantage of the Internet in the sense where when I was alone at night, and, and by the way, I would do this until about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, wake up at 9 o'clock and start all over again, so I'd get two, three hours of sleep. But I would go into the chat rooms and I would ask if anybody wanted to have phone sex. And I would wait for somebody to direct instant message me. And I would have phone sex with that person. And if I was unsuccessful in my attempts to be a complete slob in the chat rooms, I would make my own chat room and call it, you know, phone sex with 24 male. 
which used to mean I was a 24-year-old male, and whoever was interested in having phone sex with a with a 24-year-old, come on, come get it. Um, and the interesting thing is I never had an attraction ever to women younger than myself. It was always women my own age or older. And in particularly, I would want older. And I think it was my fear because I was involved in the, in, in the education system with students, with children. It was always my fear in the back of my mind that I would get involved with somebody who was younger than me. And for some reason or another, that consequence... That always scared the living hell out of me. I wanted no part of that. And I guess it, 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 I controlled it enough where I said, oh, this will ruin me. This will end my career and my ability to do anything in life. And it was something that turned me off, something that I never thought about. But there are wackadoos out there, man, that are into that. There are sickos out there. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I know it's a sickness also in its own right. But I cannot condone somebody... Um, having that feeling for a child, uh, sexually assaulting or harassing a, a person that young, younger than them. And unfortunately, I know a lot of us have been through that in our lifetime. And it's it's very, very sad. It really is. And it affects us. It it causes post-traumatic stress disorder. It affects us as adults. It might even cause borderline personality disorder. So I get that. But I cannot condone it, and I don't understand it. I mean, maybe the correct way to go about it is I can't understand how the brain works and decides to go ahead and do that. But then again, I can't understand how I become overly hypersexual when I'm unmedicated and manic and how somebody who feels so on top of the world one day could be suicidal a few weeks later, or in my case, a few hours later. Um, so, you know, I guess it's, it's th that person who sexually assaults younger women can think the same about my ups and downs and not understand it. So I'm going to stay away from that sensitive subject and not say another word about it. But again, I had this increased excessive inter Internet interest. I was an absolute animal on the Internet. And it's funny because several times I used to make up different screen names, identities, uh, so I could hide from my ex-wife at the time, my girlfriend, even during the time that she was my wife. And there were a few times that I would see her pop online. And <laughs> there was one time that I actually instant messaged her under my old name by accident. And I had to lie myself, you know, I'm sorry, not my old name, but my my made-up name, my my sex name, let's put it that way. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I just direct messaged her without my real screen name, with my sex name. And man, did I have to dig myself out of that one. <laughs> but guess what? After I dug myself out of that one and I made my ex-girlfriend slash wife believe what I was doing, it only took me a few days to make a brand new screen name. That's it. And go about my business. The other thing that Mr. Joe used to do, and this is really a rough one to discuss. Now, Mr. Joe never paid for prostitution. Um, but I will say this, something that is very similar to prostitution as far as I'm concerned. I used to go for massages when I was unmedicated. Um, and what we call happy endings. And I would search all over the place. I would look in the newspapers. I would look online. Um, during the time when I did this, the online was not really a big way into getting on this. You actually used to go into the daily paper, and they had a section 
And for dirtbags like us, who had bipolar disorder and were hypersexual, we knew just where to go and get it. Um, and I would go, and I never paid for sex, ever. Never paid for intimacy in terms of sex. As a matter of fact, I never um, paid for uh, oral sex, but I used to pay for a massage, and I would get what's called a happy ending at the end, and they would um, they would provide that stimulation to me, and I never cared how much I had to pay. There was never a negotiation, because whatever they said at the time, it didn't matter. I just wanted to release. It didn't matter to me. I didn't care. And let me tell you, my good God, did I feel horrible afterwards. Oh, it didn't matter. Did not matter. I didn't care how much I might have enjoyed it. I hated myself every single time afterwards for two reasons. I couldn't believe what I had just done from a moral standpoint. And I'd look into my wallet and say, well, there goes my money for the week. So, but we don't care. We just don't care when we are feeling that particular way. And, you know, the other thing that more or less used to go on with me at college was I had that risk-seeking sexual behavior. And or sexual activity regardless of the risk. And when I say risk, it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter who it was. Um, it didn't matter where I was. It didn't matter where my girlfriend was at the time. Now, the interesting thing is Mr. Joe was always very careful. I always wore condoms, except for one time in my life, which ultimately led to my uh, panic attacks and anxiety. But I've described that in a previous podcast. And I'm not going to bore you again with that particular story. But for me, it was... It was a new, a new mission every single night. I did not care who it was with. There were times when I would be in a bar, lock myself into a bathroom with two women. Um, it just didn't matter. Just didn't matter to me. Didn't care. Um, so clearly, the. The behavior, the hypersexuality behavior, it would tend to vary in the degree in which you engaged in it. But there is no doubt that a person with bipolar disorder, such as you and I, we find ourselves to have our usual sexual interest to be extremely heightened during that manic period in our minds. And... Part of what I just said, um, part of that last sentence that I just said, that, that deserves to be repeated. When the symptoms of hypersexuality are present, we, with bipolar disorder, we find our usual sexual interest to be greatly heightened. So the one question I have for myself and for my audience is how is this different from sexual addiction? which is a condition in which sexual interest becomes compulsive. And we've talked about obsessive-compulsive disorder before. And it persists over and over and over and over again, because you're addicted to it, despite any negative consequences. And for me, I say to myself, well, people with bipolar disorder, we experience that hypersexuality only as often as we experience the kind of mania that induces it which for the most part is relatively infrequent for some of us. Mr. Joe spent a lot of time in mania. So for me, 
it was a lot different for me. That's why I was probably more sexually active and more sexually risky because my bipolar tend to have, would tend to have me in more of mania most of my life. But for those of you who don't experience a whole lot of mania, well, maybe it would be relatively infrequent. That doesn't mean that it wouldn't be hardcore when you finally got to that point. But the people who experience sexual addiction, well, in my opinion, is very different than the hypersexuality that we have with bipolar disorder because in that case, the person with the sexual addiction cannot really catch a break from their tendencies. And ultimately, they probably live with them day and night. So I would imagine somebody, and and just because you have a sexual addiction does not mean that you don't have to have bipolar disorder or vice versa. You know, think about the case of someone who has bipolar disorder and also experiences sexual addiction. Well, that combination is probably insanity, intolerable. Those recurring manic episodes, they can spur on addictive tendencies and urge those extremes in your sexual behavior at a faster rate. And I guess when this is the case, that that treatment that Mr. Joe is grateful for, for the bipolar disorder, well, that treatment alone is not going to help manage that sexually acting out behavior. A sex addiction addiction recovery treatment or or some kind of a program is probably going to be required in addition to the bipolar disorder medicine or therapy that we um, get and they got to kind of cross over and interact with the, with each other just kind of the way the symptoms do. Um, and, and I would imagine, and I don't know if this is the exact case, but I would imagine that there are probably group therapy sessions and 12-step programs that do just that for sexual addiction. Same way we deal with sexual, I mean, um, drug addictions and alcohol addictions. So there's probably groups out there for individuals who are struggling with not only manic hypersexuality, but with sex addiction symptoms. So uh, essentially there is definitely hope out there for those of you who might have the two. But there is definitely a distinct difference between the two, sexual addiction and hypersexuality when we are experiencing a manic episode. Again, combine the two, which many people have, and it's a recipe for disaster. It really is. Now, again, I say that I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the fact that I am medicated. I'm grateful for the fact that I don't, and, and again, this might, it, 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 it makes me somewhat sad because I don't, I feel like there's a part of me that's missing because I don't sit here and daydream about sex anymore. It takes a lot for Mr. Joe to get going with his wife. It really does. But when I get going, I'm good. (laughs) And I don't mean that in in an overconfident, conceited way. I mean I'm good in the sense where I can perform. Um, And when I say perform, I don't mean that I am this masterful performer at sex. I mean that I can go through the motions and do what I have to do. And clearly that's the case because I was able to get my wife pregnant. We're going to have another baby. Um, But... You know, there are times in my life now as being medicated that I don't even think of sex. 
I mean, I could watch a movie and I could see a sexual encounter and I think like the normal, regular person, I could be quote-unquote turned on by it. Um, but one of the other things that this this stability, for the most part, has done to me, even with somebody who I love and I, I trust in and confide in and I share my world with, it has, to some extent, made me less confident. And what I mean by that, it doesn't... Uh, even if Mr. Joe is feeling a certain way, I don't have the wherewithal of inducing a sexual encounter the way that I used to. I find it very hard to initiate because I, you know, I, I don't have that manic state of mind anymore. Um, now, listen, again, that's not to say that Mr. Joe is not manic because obviously I've been complaining over the last couple of episodes on how I've been feeling. Um, and, and believe it or not, the interesting thing here is that one would think I brought this topic up because I have hit a, 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 a spot in my mania where I started to feel these things, and that's actually not the case. I just started thinking about ways to explore more educational topics, like I said in the beginning of this episode, and for some reason my mind went to hypersexuality, and I, I went with it. Um, and really what it came down to is I was just thinking of my past, thinking of the things that I had done with bipolar disorder that I was A, ashamed of, B, never in control of, and C, able to check, put into check now that I'm medicated. And um, the first thing, obviously, that came to mind was substance abuse, but we've discussed that over and over again, and we'll continue to discuss that because there are so many aspects of drug and substance abuse, so many things that I haven't even got into with you, not because I'm hiding it, but because there's so many instances in my life in which I abuse drugs that little by little they come back. We We tend to eliminate them from our brains, such as the way that I eliminated this sexual or hypersexuality from my brain. When I was hypersexual, unmedicated, manic, bipolar, um, I had all the confidence in the world. Like I said, I could say anything. I, I, would, I would touch, I would feel, I would go, I would do. Didn't matter to me. Consequences didn't matter to me. Didn't matter where I was working what job I was at, the idea of sexual harassment never entered my mind because in my sick, manic head, I said to myself, well, she wants me just as much as I want her because I'm that good. And the, the, the confidence was so overwhelming that those things never crossed my mind. And thankfully, um, my, my invested interest in the people that I was having a, an affair with out in the workplace well, um, thank, thankfully, they were interested in me because I charmed them to such an extent that I never had to worry about sexual harassment. But it's so interesting, some of the things that I used to do. I used to get myself in these positions where I would be involved with my wife, still married, but yet kind of separated, and I would make it, I would rationalize with myself, well, because I'm fighting with my wife, it is now time for me to explore different options. And I'd still have contact with my wife, and in no way, shape, or form did we agree to see other people because we were tied to each other. We were still married, yet my mind told me that it was, it was okay. I'd get myself into these full-blown affairs, letting these women know that my marriage was over, had no 
intent on going back to my life and that I was going to build a new life and a relationship with this particular person. And as things became more and more heated and I found myself to be more involved emotionally and sexually where, you know, for this particular woman, having sex in the car or going to a hotel room was not enough for them anymore. Now they wanted me to meet their family and go out to dinner with them and do all the things that a regular couple would do. Well, then I would start to get nervous. I would say, well, who's going to see me out? And, um, you know, what, what am I going to do when I get caught? What am I going to do when I get... I don't care about getting caught sexually. That's not a part. That's not something in my mind right now. But my God, if I'm out in public and I'm seen with this person, my my wife, my significant other, will put two and two together, and then I'm dead. <laughs> but yeah, when I was doing the thing that was mo- most intimate in terms of sexual relationships, none of it mattered to me. Didn't care. Didn't care about the consequences. Now that's not to say that I didn't feel guilty afterwards, because we usually do. We usually do, and then, my God, when we come down from that mania, a lot of times we just sit and stew and think about what we have done and why we have done it, and we can't believe what we have done. Uh, And that makes it very difficult for us to manage things in our everyday life when we are stable or when we start to go down in depression. Sometimes, for me, it would make me even more depressed. It would actually provoke a mood swing for me. I would feel so guilty about what I did that my mania would quickly turn to depression. So um, I thought it was important that I share this with everybody and probably because of this. If you are engaging in hypersexuality, you need to understand that it's not normal. It's not. It's not acceptable. It's not normal. As, As normal as you may think it is, it's not. And if you get medicated, you will realize just how abnormal it is and how important it is to maintain your decency in life and either stay with one partner or just make sure that you're going out there and dating. And and that's it. And you won't realize that until you get medicated. I am living proof of somebody who was once not medicated, who engaged in all these hypersexual things, and now I look back when I am medicated, and I say to myself, dear God, how did I engage in that kind of activity? It's almost like, on a small, or on a larger sense, the Facebook activity that I spoke about. I look back, and I think about my Facebook account that I had, and it was like a different person owned it. It was like a different man. That wasn't me. It was me at the time. But my God, I wouldn't even have an account right now. So when I look back at my hypersexuality, I say to myself, how in the world could I have engaged in that type of behavior? And again, because I am medicated now, I'm able to control it. I'm able to um, have a relationship with my wife. I'm able to be a, a, a married man who supports my children. And I feel a hell of a lot better living this way than the other way. In closing, if you are doing well with a mental illness, you're feeling good, all right? I need you to continue to work hard because that's the only way you're going to stay feeling good. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask you to continue to support that person in the best way that you know how. 
And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask you to keep battling. And most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.